everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we are stepping into the world of assassins that falls underneath the high table. Everyone's an assassin. <laughs> that homeless guy in the street, assassin. <laughs> guy in the McDonald's drive-thru, assassin. <laughs> guy at the gas station, assassin. These podcast co-hosts at- across the table from me, definitely assassins. assassins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are reviewing John Wick Chapter 4. As always, we're going to start with an icebreaker question, memorializing Lance Reddick this week. Before we jump into a spoiler-free review of John Wick Chapter 4, and we'll also there provide a verdict, and then we'll conclude the conversation with an in-depth spoiler discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, if I'm going to go fight the high table, as I do, I can't do it alone. I've got to have a dog and people on each side of like one, a left hand, a right hand, someone I, I got to have all the assistance I need, right? There's a lot of people I need. And first and foremost, I have to have co-host of the cinematic schematic and an award-winning Oklahoma filmmaker, LaRon Chapman. LaRon, welcome back. Thanks for having me. That is a spiffy suit you've got on, sir. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. You want me to see if it's bulletproof? We is, are we Kevlar aligned? <laughs> <laughs> the question is, if you put a big ransom on my back, um, a hit on me, I'm wondering how many people would turn on me in the streets. Well, that, that, did, that did cross my mind during that scene. So, Do you know, anytime you're walking down the street now, you got to look over the shoulder. <laughs> is the that homeless guy? Is he a homeless guy? <laughs> is, or is he, he, is he an assassin? Is there something in that McDonald's bag? <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. I trust no one. That is what I have learned from the John Wick films. Also, I am super excited to welcome back a writer and a former host on this podcast back Hello. in the soundtrack days, Alexandra Bohannon. Alex, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. I have to say that you all are horrible influences. The reason why I started watching these films was because of you people. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> but but it, I'm so thankful to be uh brought over to the dark side and under the table under the table is where it's at i'm gonna link this in the show notes listeners but uh, i know it's been a while since john wick chapter three parabellum the only movie that has a subtitle for some reason that bothers me so badly (laughs) Uh, i gotta say john wick chapter i know john wick john wick chapter two john wick chapter three parabellum john wick chapter four alex actually joined us for the review of chapter three back in 2019 very cool slept a few times since then but i had to i went back and listened to the part of the episode i was like oh yeah alex was on that one great times hell (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that, too. And I was like, I just knew that I was influenced. I, I think I've seen, except for the first one, I've seen every movie with you. And so I saw two and three with you. Oh, that's right. In theaters. Wow. OK, so that's crazy. All right, man. Full goes, circle w- goes way back. Full circle. Can you believe it? 2014. That was uh, nine years ago. So I think uh, the second one was 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. Man, why did you do that? So we killed that. And now we're all converted Wikians, which I think means something differently. <laughs> Wikians, Wikipedians. <laughs> not, not to be confused with Wikipedians or Wickens, but Wiccans, yeah. we are uh, Wikians. <laughs> also, listeners, just wanted to give a quick shout out. Originally, we had planned to have uh, John Wick. Keanu Reeves enthusiast Dalton Stewart, a co-host on the Good Trash Genre cast, joining us today. But unfortunately, due to all sorts of shenanigans, probably an assassin from the high table, if I was guessing, mm. he was not able to make it today. But he did. You know, I, I did get uh, a phone call from him 
on the old phone, you know, like you'd see in the movie, <laughs> where he said, hey, just tell the people that if they want to hear my opinions about John Wick, go listen to the Good Trash Genre Cast episode 500, um, where apparently uh, Dalton, Arthur, and Dustin uh, went back and reviewed the previous films. So, uh, number one, congratulations to the Good Trash Genre Cast on 500 episodes, huge accomplishment. And two, if you're sad that Dalton's not on this episode, much like I am, talking about Keanu Reeves without him just feels not right. Yeah. Um, you can go check out his thoughts there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get to today, is review an icebreaker question. I just wanted to quickly note that if you're listening to the show and you want to make sure I'm not taken out by assassins, you want to supplement my Kevlar suits because uh, they are quite expensive and you enjoy the conversation, please support us by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leaving us a rating and review. Doing so is going to help us be more protected by the assassins because we got to have those reviews to raise the money to buy the suits. If you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. Let's get to today's icebreaker question. Unfortunately, I am very sad to report. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about it on this show yet, but we did lose one of, in my opinion, the great character actors of our time, Lance Reddick. And I know he's not necessarily a household name for the mainstream, but if you've been watching yeah. genre TV or genre film, or even if you play like video games, you've probably either heard Lance Reddick's voice or seen him. This guy has done it all. Um, of course, we're talking about he played Sharon in the John Wick series, but also I think most notably for a lot of people who watch TV played uh, Cedric Daniels on The Wire, a really pivotal role. He's a key character in the Destiny video games, which I know there's a huge fan base for that. So this guy has been around the block. Uh, so instead of talking about you know, fun things about the movie. I just wanted to to take a moment to remember the the legend that was Lance Reddick, who was taken from us, frankly, too soon, only at the age of sixty. I still am kind of like trying to wrap my head around that guy. Yeah, yeah. this dude was jacked too. Like, seemed like very yes. healthy. Um, from what I understand, he actually played Destiny quite a bit. Like, he actually was a part of an active part of the community, not just the voice. Like. Um, he really cared about his fans. Um, I, my brother-in-law is a huge fan. And, and I was like, he was the one who told me about, before I heard about it, he texted me, he said, hey, the Destiny guy died. And I was like, that's not just the Destiny guy. Right. Like, he's, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That said, I just wanted to talk about maybe some of our favorite roles from Lance Reddick. Alexandra Bohannon, as our special guest, do you have any that come to mind for you? Well, um, in researching this question, I had to remind myself his filmography. Apparently, he was in The Guest. I haven't seen The Guest in a very nice. long time. Um, so that is actually on now on my list to revisit. And that's just a great action film anyway. Um, and to Dalton's chagrin, I still have not seen The Wire. Um, it's been on my list after uh, The Sopranos and, the re and a couple rewatches of Breaking Bad. Um, he's, but I, he's great in that, too. He's yeah. probably one of the only characters in that show I would label as attempting to be ethical consistently Perfect. throughout my favorite. <laughs> um, I have to say though, if you guys haven't, I know this is kind of a weirder selection. Um, he, so he actually appears on the Eric Andre show. Um, oh, and God. his, yes, his, his bit on the Eric Andre show. He's the person that really understood the assignment <laughs> and you should just look at his performance. It's all on YouTube. It's, I mean, it's under five minutes. Um, and then all of that coming full circle, uh, like three or four years later when they finally do have LeVar Burton on the show. So, um, that's actually just of someone that really truly understands not just, um, you know, the seriousness of his craft and acting, but also doesn't seem to take himself too seriously. And I think that's, um, it seems like he cared about his fans and he really cared about the craft, but then also knew that at the end of the day, what we're doing is entertainment. So, um, yeah, that's just, that's a notable <laughs> up top of mind performance for me. Um, I know that a lot of Josh's friends were really, uh, sad, 
due to the commanders of all um, in destiny and they had like in-game memorial for him. Yeah, apparently. there was a really beautiful that night. There was like a huge gathering on Destiny to kind of memorialize the day, the day after he passed. Oh, and well, it just yeah. like that's and like a lot of people showed Joined up, in, yeah. You know? yeah. There's celebrities, there's people who are good at their job and then there's people who are like pillars of their community. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. um definitely. I think he was definitely that for for many many people, especially the Destiny community. Laurent, what is one of your favorite uh, performances from Lance Reddick? You know, um what I love about his body of work is he's one of those actors that has been around for so long. He's popped up in so many things. Like you said, we just don't know how many things. You don't realize that you're familiar. You've touched base with this person. I think that's the testament of a true character actor, you know, who's been in your life and you didn't realize it because they, 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 you know, adhere to those roles so well. But I think I was introduced to him. What I know most from him is, is of course, The Wire. Um, and I think what I love so much about his character in that is that you said he tries to be ethical. What I love is that he does straddle that line between, you know, fighting for the right things, but also knowing exactly how to clean up shit if, so that, mm-hmm. so for optics, he's hyper aware, hyper calculated in that way. And I think that makes for some really exciting, like, um, unpredictability as in that series, because you know kind of where he stands, but you don't know how he's going to react in any particular moment because it changes based on the circumstance. Well, so he understands like how the systems work. Yes. And he's very seasoned. Det- uh, he's a very seasoned professional, but he's also looking out for his guys. And he's Absolutely. also trying to solve, like actually bring justice. Right. So there's a lot of times when these situations happen where it's not, there's not a clear, it, it, there's not a clear right answer. Right. You're like, oh no, what, what is he going to do here? And yeah. you, and you know that unlike certain, most of the other characters, frankly, he's actually trying to do right by everyone, by the rules, if he can sort of thing. Right. Yeah. It makes me very nervous for, uh, um, Idris Elba because oh, yeah. I'm thinking about it. Cause like Michael K. Williams was also a huge character in the wire and yep. we lost him. Was it the year before last year? Yeah. But oh, no. and, and another huge character actor that's been around for in many different things got their start there. So um, I'm thinking of all the the name black actors in that show. That also the guy, of, what's the actor who plays Avon Barksdale in that show? Who was yeah. just in Creed Three? I'm totally drawing a blank on yeah. him. But he, I know he's talking. Yeah, but those are guys who are getting not. Yeah. They're not old, but they're getting. Yeah, uh, 60. Yeah, you know? for sure. It, for sure. Yeah, man, what a wonderful show. I am due for a, a wire rewatch. My fiance Lauren hasn't seen it, and we keep saying we're going to get to it, but it's such a great show. Yeah. yeah. I actually came to that very late. Um, I, I watched it during the the pandemic, so it was oh, very yeah. much like a one of those, like, I need to finally watch this. People talked about this, I know. And I agree, even to this day, even having seen so many shows in my life, that that is one of the best, like, because it's so relevant still. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's going to be timeless. It's just... So many callbacks to our current climate, and it's just it it's just a really well executed show. So. Well, that that was the thing Lauren said. She says, "Is this even going to work in the current day? Because they're using a lot of old technology, you know, yeah. like pagers and stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, but th- that's just the vehicle, like yeah. the the story yeah. they're telling. Same patriarchy, mm-hmm. same same systemic racist system, mm-hmm. same same politics. It's still the same. The, uh, We're still dealing that with has it. one of the most perfect endings of any TV show I've ever seen. Yeah, like absolutely. it it just ugh, I get yeah. chills thinking yeah. about it. It's yep. a great show. Check it." out ladies and gentlemen i know it's like at this point it's like watch the wire you know you've heard it but yeah. seriously just if just you can't prioritize it, it. It, it's you won't regret it it is my last like it's been number three on like pr- making doing prestige tv because i did this i did the sopranos during pandemic and oh. then uh yeah I and mean, we've already done breaking bad so that's like that's next on the list all right mm-hmm. so I would say you you finished Better Call Saul. I oh, think yeah. I think The Wire, the, like Better Call Saul, is the closest I've seen a show end as perfectly as The yeah. Wire does. Mm, yeah. Awesome. 
Uh, okay, so my pick. I mean, I already listed a few that I, that I. I mean, I'm a big Fringe fan. He also had Lost. I mean, I know I listeners knew, I know saw Lost on that filmography. Huge, I, I was well, like, Caleb, that's lost. Caleb's that's job. All yours. I, I, listen, he's not. So here's the thing about Lost. His character on Lost, and I'm not going to spend too long on it. But he really is a minor character. Yeah. But when he, if you understand the vibe of Lost, where like when characters, this guy shows up asking very specific questions, like, how do you know that? Why do you know that? Who are you with? Because mm-hmm. he's a guy who comes out of nowhere. And so anytime he only shows up, I think like three or four times, but every time he does, it's like, oh, we're going to like, we're yeah. going to, we're going to discover something because he's got this whole mysterious allure and his name's like Matthew, Abin- uh, Matthew Abaddon. That was it. Yeah. And then of course, again, the fervor of lost fandom on the internet was one of the first big fandom shows when there were like forums and stuff. Everyone analyzed the shit out of everyone's names. Cause if you watch lost, there's things like, you know, John Locke, like Jack yeah. Shepard, like all the names kind of meant something. So for him, it was like Abaddon was, uh, had some sort of roots in the biblical name related to like the bring the uh, beginning of the apocalypse or something like that. Anyway, it was like, Oh, so this guy is going to come in and stuff's going to happen. Right, right. Right. So um, I wouldn't say it's his most memorable performance. Cause I think it's four episodes that I've got here, but every time he shows up, you know, something's going down and he plays that mysterious, like you can't, you don't know his motives or, or any of that so well. Um, honestly, though, Fringe is probably my biggest one. Philip Broyles, again, he plays sort of like the senior detective who really isn't doesn't understand any of the science going on. <laughs> In fact, he's the guy who's constantly like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. Um, but he's also kind of the anchor, whereas the rest of the characters in that show are like bouncing around. They all can trust him. Yeah. You know, um, it, no matter what it, weird thing is happening, he supports his team. Um, even, you know, in multiple realities and all that good stuff. Last thing I'd shout out to is uh, Bosch, a show I have not watched, but I know there's a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are big fans of that, especially dads. It's a very dad show. (laughs) Um, And again, I just want to reiterate, like so many video game movies are coming out. And in fact, our next episode is going to be based on a couple of gaming oriented uh, films. Uh, He he was the star of the recent Netflix show uh, Resident Evil, which I did watch two episodes of and it was okay. He was great. Yeah. Like as a lead. Um, But I just think it's so cool to see this guy who was like just such a pillar of like like nerd video gamer culture. Like he just really lifted uh, that up and he will be sorely missed. And I know this is kind of a minor, minor, minor spoiler for the movie, but I mean, I don't know guys, I, I will say in the first 10 minutes of the movie, unfortunately his character is kind of brutally murdered on the screen. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys that it was just, it, it just, it, it, it hit, it hit, different, hit differently, differently knowing what different. we knew. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it was already pretty impactful because you like, I mean, what that character represents in the John Wick universe, but, you know, still kind of like processing. Yeah, Art has a weird way of like, you know what I mean? Imitating and memorializing and adding new context to real life things all the time. And that that came at a really interesting time. Does he have any roles in the can that are, or is this literally his last? Great question. He, in fact, because he's, and that's another thing. This guy was working hard. This man, in fact, has several um, projects in the can. One of them being the upcoming John Wick spinoff, Ballerina, which he'd already completed filming his portion for. So he's going to be in the John Wick spinoff. He has a couple TV shows, the Percy Jackson, the Olympians Netflix show coming in 2024. And he's supposed to be in that. Uh, the Legend of Vox uh, Machina, that's the show from the Critical Role folks. I haven't watched it. I have some friends who love it. He has a voice role in that. So the good news is, and he has a lot of um, Destiny work that has yet to be released as okay. well. So 
He's gone, never forgotten, but we are still going to get to see a few more of his performances. Um, yeah. If, you know, there's still some things which hopefully can help us all kind of yeah. process it a little bit. But um, yeah, so anyway, uh, Lance Reddick, uh, rest in peace, sir. It's one of those guys you just don't realize how much you appreciate him until all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I'm not going to see him and stuff anymore. Like, yeah. yeah. It's great stuff. Yeah. Great, great actor. Seems like a great person. That said, let's move on to our spoiler-free review of John Wick Chapter 4. Saying goodbyes? Saying hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas. New rules, new management. We've known each other since we were Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. Man has to look his best when it's time to get married or buried. I'm going to need a gun. So, according to IMDb, John Wick Chapter 4 is described as John Wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table. But before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes. But with that said, let's talk about John Wick Chapter 4. LeBron Chapman, kick us off here. What did you think of this film? Okay, now I, I went into this. I saw a lot of five-star reviews on Letterboxd, and I was like, guys, is it that good? Is it really that good? You know, it's like, you know, and I mean, I, so I went into it with a little trepidation, being a fan of the series and everything, but still just thinking is the fourth the, the one. Hype, the hype going into this movie was really big. Was, yeah. was, yeah. It was I, I was, yeah, I was skeptical as well. But, you know, honestly, I left it, and I, I mean, it, I think it was masterful. I really think that I thought it would kind of fall, uh, collapse under the weight of its own ambitions, you know, but um, but surprise, cause, because with each entry, I feel like the, they up the ante even more. So it's like, what can you do now? You know what I mean? And the fourth chapter doesn't seem like where you're going to peak, you know what I mean? Like, so um, I was really surprised leaving it just how much I enjoyed it, you know, and, um, and just how, again, how, how this lit, this movie that started in such humble beginnings, this series that started, you know, has become this mammoth of a, of a franchise, you know, of an action franchise, you know? So, um, yeah, I was a, I was a huge fan of it. Very good. So overall it, it lived up to the hype. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think this might be, and we'll get to it later. This might be my favorite entry. So. All right. Yeah. Okay. Love to hear nice. that. Alexandra Bohannon. Yeah. Um, so I think I really like so many things about the movie, but there there are a few things that do kind of tarnish it for me. And one of which is for a movie called John Wick, he's certainly the least important character in this film, it feels like for me. Especially in the first act. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that kind of set me off balance, especially from where we 
Like, I mean, it's like I didn't necessarily expect at the end of chapter three where we're going to immediately pick up like how it had in the previous two where it's like, oh, this is literally 10 minutes later and he's running the streets of New York trying to figure out himself. Um, I didn't really think that's what we were going to do with this film, but there were I, a lot of the things that they were trying to set up and kind of not retcon, but structure things to where it ended up going and honestly it felt like it was like a lot of things they had to adjust to get it to its final destination and it did it really kind of in a way for me somewhat clumsily in that first act but once we got the marquee in I was like really super on board it just was kind of getting us all on the same page like it it felt like this was stuff that could have been maybe you know tied into the end of the third movie to kind of get us to where we're starting with a clean slate for four. Um, But I wasn't mad about any of it and and everything about the film, like this is me being extremely nitpicky. The cinematography is beautiful. I really like the fight choreography. Um, The score was fantastic. There's some really interesting things um, done with camera work and movement, Um, the costuming and the world building. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about the (laughs) film is how crazy the world building has gotten from those humble beginnings as you're saying yes like remember when this was got about a man and his dog um in the first film (laughs) and the only and the only rule was no business on continental grounds yeah and now we've just kind of have this really fascinating explosive world and again i mean i think i talked about this on um one of the avatar pods i did for the show um the 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 refreshment of this not being mcu or disney or star wars like the idea this is a new IP that people with their brain thoughts just came up with these ideas of like world building and making things interesting. And that in itself was extremely refreshing to me. But, um, but yeah, I would say the biggest hindrance to me on this were some emotional stakes, but overall I give this a really high, high praise. Very high praise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here's my thoughts. I I don't want to lean into hyperbole guys. (laughs) Yeah. And I did see this movie a second time and I will say the second time I think kind of helped me. Mm. Balance is probably a better word. The way I feel about this is there are some of the the great action movies that I can think of that come to mind. There are movies like Mad Max Fury Road. There are movies like The Raid Redemption. There are movies like pretty much any of the Mission Impossibles aside from the first two. Those are great movies. They're just different. Different. Exactly. I even think of things like Die Hard, Fast Five, John Wick 4. Is in that echelon for me. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it is in that echelon. I went from a five star to a four and a half star. Uh, I did. I think this movie is basically an action masterpiece in that the pacing is pitch perfect. The movie really hits the ground running, and I'm sitting here thinking, how are we going to top the first? There's like the, there's a whole probably like what 30 minute sequence in Osaka at the beginning of the movie. And I'm like, man, did they just blow their wad in the first like 30 minutes? No, no. Every single time I'm like, there's no way they can top this. Yeah. They do it. In fact, the Osaka sequence is like the weakest accent sequence in the entire film. Exactly. By the time you get to the end. Exactly. And it's at least as good as uh, having just rewatched the first three. It's on par with the final sequence of the last movie. I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, Donnie Yen shows up and we also get Hiroki Sonata, which a huge fan of that guy. Always love it when he pops up. Everything about this movie, they just, they keep upping the stakes within the movie and again, we'll talk about runtime more in a second, but I remember when the runtime came, it was released that it was two hours and 49 minutes. I was like, uh-oh, we've gone too far. Their ambitions are too bloated. It's going to be, be mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be cobbled together. Right. And could they have cut out 
at least one or two of these major action sequences? Yeah, they could have yeah. in the movie. Would have worked. Do I want them to? No, because they're so freaking cool. Yeah. Like that's the thing, and and it works enough, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like we could make this, you could tighten this up, but I like them all. Like, and the other thing I want to note here, and I think this is true through the whole series, is there's never you never do the same thing twice. So each action sequence is different than the last one. And I think that's consistent throughout the series. There are some that are kind of similar. We get another club sequence here, but in this one, there's like a big waterfall and the whole architecture is different. The way they shoot, it's different. Um, Osaka was reminiscent of the final set piece um, at the Continental in the third movie, yeah. but also has its own, like it's, it's things about that make it unique. You have Donnie Yen, you have samurai swords. Like you never, I don't think the John Wick franchise ever does the same thing twice, yeah. at least not exactly. There's some that are there's close to overlapping, but they're doing a unique spin on an action sequence. So all that's to say, as an action movie, just purely based off of everything I'd ask for in an action movie, which is impressive stunts, things I've never seen before, production design, just enough world building to make me curious, and enough character work for me to care, mm -hmm. I think this movie lands. Now, I dropped it from five to four and a half stars for one reason. And that is, I think the very, in my mind, the very, very best action movies, the ones I love the most, the ones that I tend to revisit the most. So Bad Max Free Road or, or uh, um, Die Hard. Usually those have something else going on underneath the surface that I find a little more compelling. There's a lot of different ways to read those movies. This is pretty straightforward. It's still just a revenge movie. And that's not a problem, by the way. I don't think you have to do that other thing. I'm That's, for me, what puts it from a four and a half to a five star. Fair. That does not mean this movie is bad or lacking. It just means there's its goals are not as ambitious from a more thematic mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. character perspective as perhaps those other two films I mentioned. For me, the closest to my mind it comes to is The Raid Redemption, which is another movie that's like, there's not really a lot going on here other than, holy cow, this action's incredible, yeah. and it continually escalates throughout the film. For a fourth entry in a franchise like John Wick, the fact that it's this good that's this true. far is true. so impressive. So that's a long way of me saying, Guys, I like the movie. <laughs> okay, I mentioned the the, the runtime. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys thought. Alex, I mean, do, do you think this film earned the runtime? I think that is it for me, the runtime really felt the runtime in the Osaka sequence because it just it felt like we were trying to really set up all the set pieces. And honestly, this is I maybe this is me going too hard or being controversial, but I, I know that it's Ke Keanu Reeves. How old is he? He's 56, 50 something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's, 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 he's 40s, 60. 50s. Okay. So I, I feel like, especially in that sequence, we can really start to feel some of him as an actor, his age, um, in terms of like, especially with the nunchuck stuff, I felt like that, for me, didn't quite land as I mean. Maybe I know I'm being are really super, hard to do. I know I, I'm I, not. I'm not critiquing his ability. It's just <laughs> maybe a little bit. Um, I, I think that <laughs> it's okay. You're critiquing his ability. He's not going to come after you. No, 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 no. Oh, it's in the table after. No, we're going to um, have a mark on you after this I, review's done. I think that that particular. I, I don't have a word for it other than the museum training room because it did feel very reminiscent to the ending sequence of the Continental, especially with like the architectural elements of that room. Um, I think that could have been tightened a bit for me, but everything else in that, in the Japan sequence really worked. And then I don't have really as many quibbles about the the stuff later on. It's really that first act that I felt the runtime. I, I, I would I agree. The pacing yep. in act one, I think is probably where they could have, yeah. if they were going to make cuts, they probably could have. 
Yeah. Um, and I think maybe it's comparing it, it. It has the the tough act of following act three, where in which that first I remember sitting with you in the theater in that that first 30 minutes of just like boom, 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 boom. It was of, just of chapter un- three. Yeah. Uh, just unhinged yeah. in terms of the action um, and everything that transpired in that act. But now we have to kind of slow down, reset, set up some stuff. Um, and then kind of get going. I think that's where I could have lost maybe 10 yeah. minutes, but we're yeah. quibbling over 10 minutes. Right? right. So it's not, it's not, it's not a ton. Okay. So, all right. So, so we could have trimmed a little bit, but it's not terrible. Nah. Uh, Leron. You know, I also, I actually did feel the runtime, um, but I didn't, but not from a, I was bored standpoint. Mm. It was more so I, by the time we got to the final set piece, I was exhausted, but then, yeah. but I think, I think that, Again, that could be by design. I think that's by design because his character from the from the first scene is like, oh my god, I'm over this shit. You know, like, but so <laughs> like, okay, there is a we're, we'll talk about it in spoilers. There is a sequence in which he does a thing, yeah. only for him to have to do the same thing again. Again, and normally you would be like, oh, that's so dumb and repetitive, but it's it's so it works. It's yeah. so it works. good. It's like that is an all timer like from hard boiled level action sequence where you're like. This is yeah. going to be a great one we talk about in 20 years, how John Wick did the thing twice. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. So I think, I, I think yes. Yeah. So I, I felt the runtime, but but I kept, you know, asking myself, like, I mean, he's gone through a lot. He's endured mm-hmm. a lot. He's been, he's tired, you know. So it makes sense that the audience ourselves would kind of be feeling, you know, that correlation, you know, to it. So. Um, so I looked at it as less, uh, more of a feature than a bug, you know, even, yeah. even though it was definitely mm-hmm. there. By the time I left, I was like, okay, I need to like decompress a little bit. <laughs> I watched yeah. a lot of people die. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's definitely a movie once you're done, uh, you're like, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. just trying to wrap your head around that first time, I'm trying to wrap your head around all the stuff that happened in the movies a lot. I mean, yeah. like, it's all great, but it's like, oh yeah, that action sequence. And, oh, but no, but there was this other one and then this other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, uh, like I've already said, I, I think I'm, I think it worked for me mostly because they paced it out so well. You are tired by the end. Mm-hmm. I yes. Think. And I actually like that. Without spoiling anything, the, the kind of final, final thing is actually a little more quiet and mm-hmm. somber versus like a huge over the top action sequence. Yeah, yeah. that was um, perfection mm-hmm. for me. I thought that was a great way to because yeah, had that movie. had that been an exhaustive thing right after the thing that happens right before it. That, that probably would have been overkill, yeah, no pun intended. Just like yeah, that, so. seriously. Well, we also, again, despite this being the, the fourth entry, we get a lot of new characters in here. And I thought, personally, I thought this was every new character I was on board with. I don't think they've always worked in every film, but this one we get, I mean, we get Donnie Yen's Kane, which, oh, holy man. cow, so yeah. good. Amazing. Um, Bill Skarsgård's Marquis Vincent de Gramont. I hope I said that right. I uh, get Hiroki Sanada's uh, Shimatsu Koji uh, and Shamir Anderson as Mr. Nobody or the tracker, depending on how you want to cre- they credit it. Um, what I mean, like, I don't know. What, what did you, these new players really bring to the table to freshen things up? Or do you think they did? I mean, Lamar, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think every one of these new characters understood the assignment, especially Skarsgård, who I appreciate the costuming team here yes. for his exceedingly extravagant suits yes every scene i was like come on it was just like extravagant suits and they also got the most ridiculous venues to film in like there's that whole that he's not i don't know i wish i knew the locations but he's in a museum at one point it's like they didn't have to film the same museum but that's the point this dude thinks he's that big right there's like one of them has like sparkly glitter on it i was like what is happening here it's like every scene i was like so um 
but uh, I think that these new characters really diversified the and amplified the threat in the story. You know, so like we have a, obviously an A storyline, but there's there's different variables at work at the same time. So he's fighting different conflicts simultaneously. Um, it's like the guy that's on my back, but also the guy I'm after, and then the you know, like so it's just kind of a. I think it added, yeah, it added some, some again, some diversity there and then some flamboyance to the whole affair, which I thought was really fun and nice and, and yeah, and, and added some, like, fun flavors to the story, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were some ones that, like, the this Mr. Nobody character. Yeah. Second Mr. Nobody action character, you <laughs> know, Fast and Furious uh, fans. Uh, it, it's, um you Especially the second time. The first time I, I was having a hard time, I was trying to figure out that guy's angle, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And the second time, once I had a better understanding, I really was able to appreciate what he brought to it, yeah. which was kind of an element of chaos, of which is this guy is some like young, up and com- scrappy up-and-comer trying to get into this world. And kind of how that's a reflection of John Wick himself, you know? And it mm-hmm. kind of adds an extra layer there. Alex, how about you? How did these uh, new characters work for you? I overall thought they this is and this is largely uh, my personal problem with the film is that Wick's emotional stakes since we're so far out from the first film and the wife and the dog that they're the one that kind of freshen the emotional heart of the action and so having Donnie Yen's Kane with the daughter I thought that he was basically my favorite part of the film yeah. um, and yep. all of his action sequences were wonderful but then also the emotional core was there um, and same thing with uh, Rena uh, the the daughter of Hiroki Sanada I'm sorry um, <laughs> but I thought that she also had some really great emotional stakes um, a lot of father daughters in this franchise. I was actually listing them, listing them out. We have Kane and his daughter. We have Hiroki and Rena, and then we have Halle Berry and Sophia. Lots mm. of estranged daughter. I need to protect her type of relationships, um, which I thought was interesting. Anyway, all of that to say, I thought that the stuff about the other characters had the emotional heart of the film for me. Um, and yeah, cause John wick is tired to y'all's mm. point. Like he is going to this movie and he's tired and he wants to, he wants it to end and he wants it to be over. Well, and to, to your yeah. point though, I think, and I think that it was sort of by design, yeah. and, um, which is there's a scene in the movie where Bill Skarsgård basically calls John Wick a, a ghost looking for a graveyard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's accurate. Yeah. Like he has. Yeah. He really is just out purely fueled by vengeance yeah. to to get the people who have wronged him. Yeah. Like that's that's all he has anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't even think because he's not even doing it for his wife at this point. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I man, I got to say. Donnie Yen's Kane really added a huge emotional layer, and I think it, it was exactly what we needed. Um, obviously, there's 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 all the action that he we know he's so good at, um, but also I think Alex, to your point, it was a re- nice reminder for us that these men do have something. It was a, it was a good way to add more context to John Wick and appreciate kind of the things he's lost. There's a scene that between the two of them in the church that I won't won't spoil, but basically, you know. These two guys are basically the same guy. Yes. Like they made the same choices in life and they both want desperately to be out of the situation they're in, but they keep getting pulled back in. And, and um, you know, King says they're we're damned. Like yeah. there's no hope for us. So um, which is just I mean, just a great again, simplicity. Like you don't overcomplicate it. And I think that, yes, the emotional weight comes from more from Kane, but it's there to remind us that John Wick has had to make those same sacrifices. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, just 
amazing character. I would not be surprised if they went for a spinoff series with him. I think he's oh, that good. Yeah. Same. Um, there's enough there to the character. I, I would, I would love to watch like three more movies with him and Bill Skarsgård. I, I was thinking about this. He's so great. I won't add too much to what you guys have said. I think this is the first time we've had a definitively boogeyman type bad guy in the series. Cause the first movie is just kind of a misunderstanding. Yeah. You know, right. it's yeah. like, it's like, Oh, whoops, my son kills your dog. Now I've got to kill you. Uh, and the second one you have, uh, his old buddy who tricks him into the thing, but he's not really, uh, I mean, he's a threat and he's trying to kill him, but he's not like out for vengeance. He's just, it's just business. Right. Yeah. And the third movie, he's really just trying to survive. The yeah. high table is more of like a constructors an organization. This movie they give Bill Skarsgård is the face of the high table. And I think that actually added a lot of weight to me for the, the threat. He's the man behind the scenes, you know kind of masterminding and he has a lot on the line um, uh, as well in terms of his career. Yeah. So I, I just think all of that was super, super uh, fun. And it, it made me really appreciate it again on rewatch, especially you kind of, it's, yes, this is an action movie. Yeah. There's thematically it's pretty straightforward, but the, these characters do add a lot of wrinkles in that, that I appreciate. Agreed. Um, just really quickly. I mean, I think uh, let's move on to letter grades here and then we'll do uh, recommendations and letter grade and uh, also rank the the films. But uh, I mean, in terms of uh, John Wick chapter four, what letter grade would you give it? Alexandra Bohannon? Ooh, guys, this is tough. Uh, I think I, I think I'm going to give it just a B. It is very solidly B for me. Cause like, I know that sounds crazy. Everything else is fantastic, but I'm also being, exceptionally hard on this film because maybe it was the hype machine that made me be exceptionally hard on this film. Um, I think I, I saw a post from a friend of mine and this might've circulated to y'all circles as well, but uh, basically is like, can you say um, that this is maybe the best action film since Fury Road because of like, that's almost like this gold standard, like Fury Road, I think does everything right. Um, and I say that it's really close and it's probably the closest thing we will get, um, unless we keep going, um, Chad Salaski keeps going on, on these, but, um, it's, it's really just the, uh, the emotional heart for me, it means a lot to me. I want the, the conflict to have a little bit more meaning to it. And it had meaning for so many of the other characters, but it stopped feeling again, he's a ghost looking for a graveyard. Is it by intention? It's that all that big question about French film. It's like, Oh, you're feeling the ennui because you're being intentionally made to feel this way. Um, so, but for me personally, that's, that's where I land with it. All right. Alex gives it a B. LeBron Chapman. I also gave this four and a half stars. So it's a, it's an A minus for me. I don't think it's perfect, but it's near perfect for me. Um, and I agree with you. I can say that and probably I wasn't conscious of it when I was watching it, but I, in, in your estimation, I can kind of say to myself that, yeah, I don't think the emotional stakes are quite there in the same way. I don't think that this series ever really focused too hard on that for me personally, mm -hmm. but, um, but I think that that probably would have, for particularly for this last entry, would have been a nice addition to the rest of it. But I think from a technical standpoint, um, it's 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 masterful in the way that it's 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 designed, and it's masterful in the way that it's executed. Um, and it, there's so many scenes in this I want to rewatch over and over and over and over again. So for that, it does have some replayability, even despite its very long runtime. So. Um, I'd say a minus is a, is a, is squarely where I'll be with this. Um, 
And I don't really see that changing over time because I think it has all the things that it needs to be what it is um, without being a flawless movie. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go with an A. I'll be the highest on this. Um, I, I think, again, that the one thing that's keeping me from saying A+, plus because I do think the craft is oh, yeah. so impressive. Yes. Like, the, the things they do in this movie are unbelievable. There's a sequence, uh, an action sequence. Uh, we'll talk about more in spoilers probably, but the, the, the God's Eye sequence. Holy cow. I've So many times in this movie, I was like, I've never seen this before. Mm. We've been so fatigued by a certain type of movie that we've been having to watch over and over again. Seeing something like this where you're like, wow, I've never seen this before and I don't know how they did it. It's yeah. just so exciting and refreshing and it reminds me of like why I love movies so much. Um, but yeah, the craft, the set, the production design, the directing, the, the the cinematography, the way they color it, all of that is so impressive. I can't give it less than an A. Mm. Okay. The thing keeping me from an A plus really is the, I really don't think there's a lot of meat on the bones in terms of what, what's this movie trying to say or what's this movie has on its mind? It's a, it's a revenge story. Right. And it's pretty straightforward. And I think it does a revenge story extremely well because I, I am, you know, I agree that John wicks probably the least interesting in this film, but I think the other characters do enough of the weightlifting for me that it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, that's not a detractor really. Um, but the big thing is I'm not going to be thinking about this like Fury Road. I mean, gosh, I can sure. watch that movie every time I see it. I have a different perspective on it. And it you know makes me think about things like the environment, the patriarchy, the, the world we live in, um, you know, climate change. All of this stuff is on my mind when I watch it. And, and John Wick, I don't, I just don't think it has that going for it. Yeah. And, 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 Die, and Die Hard is another one. Like that movie has, a lot of meta. There's a lot of meta um, in that movie, kind of critiquing action movies as a whole that I just don't think this movie has either. And again, that's not a detractor. It's mm -hmm. just a if you were going to go from it's like the cherry on top of the right. cherry on top. Right. That, yeah, because I think a great example would be like, for example, like Tarantino's like like the Kill Bill. Thing. Yeah, here's a revenge story where we're we're emotionally invested in her journey mm -hmm. in both in both volumes, you know, and so. Even when we're not watching it, action sequences, we're emotionally invested. And I think that's what it is, is when this movie's settling on, when we're in those heavy dialogue sequences that wind up before we get to the big action, the next big action sequence. Mm -hmm. um, it's less, it's, that feels a little bit more like just, just plot, but, you know, waiting for time to, mm -hmm. waiting for it to happen. So, um, and again, I don't necessarily think that the things that this movie doesn't have that it ever intended to necessarily exactly have. that's the thing. so it's it's less of a it's less of a thing where it's, it's like not really yeah, a detractor it's just for me personally, personally to make this a flawless movie flawless I need that extra element to make this yeah. a, a, a bigger thing exactly so it's really not a flaw I want to so make that very clear for it it's just yeah. an, it's in general for me, me for me to love it more yeah one hundred percent that said I will say there is one specific line in the movie that I cannot believe it got me emotional we'll talk about it <laughs> in the spoilers but it's very simple and it just really cuts to the core of like going all like what made you emotionally invested in the first film uh Anyway, it's a great line. We'll talk about it more. Uh, what else would we recommend to listeners who like any of the John Wick films in particular, but John Wick Chapter 4, LaRon Chapman? I mean, we've mentioned the Raid Redemption. There's clear references there in terms of the relentless violence, The just the, you know. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I think um, Atomic Blonde came to mind. Love that film. And it has that same kind of visceral, long-form action sequences that are are, are very... 
um, impactful and they're not, they don't, not all these quick cuts, you know, that kind of like we, we get to live in those moments in long wide shots uh, as they play out. So you really get to see the choreography and not all of the edits. Um, so really appreciated that. Another one that kind of comes to mind, it's definitely on the lower end, but a movie that I think got better over time. Each each entry was like the Bourne trilogy comes to mind. Mm-hmm. The Matt Damon one, not the not the tail end one with the uh, Renner, I think. But the Legacy. The yeah. Legacy, yeah. I don't count that one. No one does. But yeah, I think those are some good references, I think, that for people who like this would like those. All right. Great recommendations. Alexandra? Um, what, thanks. To, I'm so glad to hear another Atomic Blonde. I think, I, I think uh, Atomic Blonde, unfortunately, Unfortunately, in terms of like in a similar way that this film maybe got a little overhyped to me, Atomic God was extra- exceptionally overhyped to me, which in going into theaters, I was disappointed. But yes, to your point, the cinematography, the action sequences, I would put those in kind of this echelon too. Um, I would also recommend Drive as an example of how to do a mostly silent protagonist with a little bit of more of that emotional core. Um, and that's not to you know, critique uh, Reeves's performance. It's just, they're not necessarily, you know, apples to apples in terms of like, oh, this is, this is a, you know, driving heisty movie and this is more of an action film. Um, But I think that's a great reminder. And of course, like the cinematography and the score and everything is just really beautiful in that film. Um, I'd also, this is kind of a, a cut that I think Caleb will appreciate. Uh, for, again, for that overhead sequence, uh, Hotline Miami, yep. a classic video game. Yep. Um, I guess it's not classic, came out in 2013. But again, uh, like there's... It's classic a, enough. Classic enough. I mean, I do... It's hard to know whether Hotline Miami actually did actually inform some of that or if that's just them kind of taking um taking some you're not the cues. first person to make that observation though i think i think that that minority report of the two that i've seen the most were yeah. like this is where they might have drawn some inspiration because specifically the way that the camera the camera moves and the initiation of some of the actions in that sequence, the protagonist in Hotline Miami is, again, kind of a drive-esque figure that is just entering rooms and brutally murdering people. But the shotgun work and the um, the throwing of implements work, that's like that is just like a core part of gameplay in that in that game um, and also has a banging soundtrack and, and beautifully beautiful pixel art as well. Um, and then I guess it's it maybe is a little reductive, but. I just definitely go back and watch chapter three. I think uh, chapter three for me personally had the the emotional elements with the banging action. And I think that got my maybe I put in a little bit squeeze higher than this film. Just very ever, ever so slightly. But um, yeah, so those are kind of my recommends. All right. All great recommends. I'm going to go with the revenge movie track here. So I'm going to start with a movie, a little movie from 2020 that I don't think a lot of people saw. That is also not an action movie, but a revenge film that has a little bit of style and flair to it. And that is Promising Young Woman. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, definitely Good like hit. a woman getting revenge on yeah. the men who have, yes, been involved in some sort of sexual violence. Of uh, You'll have to watch the movie to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, a great film. Not enough people saw it. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the movie Upgrade. Uh, that's a fun movie with not Tom Hardy, Logan, Marshall Green. I always think he's Tom Hardy generic, but it's actually really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Basically, an AI takes over his body and he can't control it, but the AI is programmed to go get vengeance on the people who did that to him, um, which is uh, a really nice touch. I also want to shout out Christopher Nolan's The Prestige. I think people forget about this one, and I know it's weird to say a Christopher Nolan movie is underrated, but people don't talk about the prestige enough. And that is another movie that I think kind of explores like the cost of mm. revenge, not in the 
action violence, but more of the psychology of yeah. the things you, the sacrifices you must make to, to get the vengeance you seek. Mm-hmm. And what does that actually look like um, from the interior? And uh, last but not least, the Handmaiden. I think Park Chan Wook is the king of revenge films. Honestly, mm. you could also look at Old Boy, uh, again the original Old Boy, not the uh, Spike Lee American <laughs> yeah, adaptation. Yeah. Um, but like, I really think Park Chan Wook knows uh, he knows how to do a great revenge film. And uh, but I, I personally gravitate towards uh, The Handmaiden because there's a lot of layers to it. It's more of a complex kind of unweaving of a narrative um, versus a straightforward revenge. Yeah. Again, none of these are really action movies, just kind of centering on the idea of vengeance and what that costs and what that looks like. Um, uh, if you did want to go with the action be- beat, I could also throw on Mandy, which would be my oh, last yeah. one. Oh. Starring Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. If you want to see Nick, if you think Keanu Reeves murdering people in a stylish fashion is cool, just wait until you watch Mandy. It's not as, <laughs> the stunts aren't as cool, but it's still pretty freaking yeah. violent. So uh, you check that out. Cinematography too. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Good. All right. Uh, quickly, what is our new John Wick series mm. ranking? Alexandra Bohannon. Yeah, I would say three, three, then four. And then it's hard to even uh, it's hard to place two, two in one. I think two might actually be the least because I really like what one was doing. Um when it was just, I'm a man about a dog and a dead wife. A, <laughs> um, not, simplicity, the simplicity of one is pretty beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to even like kind of put it in the, in the cadre. It feels almost like an oddball, but it had to kind of set it up. But um, yeah, I think those, that's where I'd probably land with it. It's three, uh, three and four are pretty neck and neck with me personally. So, so, so list that for us real quick. Uh, three, then four, then probably one, then two. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. LeBron Chapman. So I actually like the films in descending order. Um, and mm. I think the reason it being is, is I actually, I, I wasn't like in love with John Wick 1. I appreciate it so much more now uh, looking at the journey that we've come from. Um, I liked it fine when it came out, but I wasn't on the hype train with that one yet. And I think by the time I got into the third the third entry, I was really like, okay, I really like this series. I really like what, where it came from and how, and how it's evolved, the world that's kind of, changed here um and so i think with each entry it got a little bit better for me so i think seeing it that way instead of looking at the first one being the worst one i don't really think that i just think that it just got better as it went along so yeah that's the, and that's one of the beautiful things about these movies i mean alex you pointed this out earlier a a this is a franchise but it wasn't like designed as a franchise. In fact, the first movie almost didn't happen mm-hmm. because they had uh, a bunch of the financiers for the first film did not sh- did not pay their checks. So they almost shut down production of the first film like two weeks before they started filming. And so it, it nearly didn't happen. So it's kind of an amazing Hollywood Cinderella story of this like and, and Keanu back before John Wick. I mean, this really brought him back to the forefront. But at that time, man, he was struggling to get good quality work like that first film really it was just kind of like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, and I've, I, so I did rewatch the whole series and one is the tough one to pick because I do think it's almost like a, the, the prototype or the pilot for these others. Yeah, it's like yeah. the outlier. Right. The yeah. It's really like, you really can only compare two through four. Exactly. And then right. one exists as the foundation. Its, the, it's own thing because it's the pilot. Like you were saying, right. I think it's, it's the first thing. one. And it's like, it, it's, it's good for what it is for the budget. It had like all the things, but it was basically showing, Hey, if you guys give us some more money, we could do this like way better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say I four caveat two and then three and then again one sort of its own category but sure we'll put one at the bottom 
And the reason I say that is the pacing of three actually has always bothered me. Mm. The opening 25 minutes, John Wick trying to escape from New York is my favorite scenario in the entire series. Mm -hmm. You're just stuck at the heart of New York. You got to get out. Everyone's trying to murder you. It's got so many banger sequences back to back to back. You have he kills that giant basketball player with a book. Um, there's the knife fight sequence, which is just, again, it's in other words, how do they do that? So many knives, so comical, so cool, so elegant. You have the ho- John Wick on the horse. Just, I mean, perfect 25 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I get bothered by that one because it's really weird. He goes out to the end of the desert for an entire act where we see Halle Berry, which again, I love seeing Halle Berry, but then he just ends up going back to New York. So it's like, hey, you just ran away yeah, from New York yeah. so you could come back. That that part always set well, didn't set well with me. And I found um, the final act where they're using a lot more, the, the, they're using guns a lot more in the last action sequence. Yeah, that um, was. Well, you get an epic duel with John Wick and uh, oh, the other guy, I'm totally drawing a blank on his name, but you get that epic fight with John Wick. Also hilariously, the dudes from the raid um, and that other, uh, martial arts movie star. Um, that's great. But it's that whole, like when they're pulling out shotguns and like, and everyone's in body armor didn't land his mouth. So that's three is simultaneously my least favorite, but also has my favorite yeah. John wick period in it. Yeah. So it's kind of that. So I would go, I think f- two is a tighter overall tighter package. So four, two, three, one. Yep. Cool. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't want to be spoiled on John wick chapter four, go ahead and tune out now. <clears throat> Aurelio speaking. I heard you struck my son. Yes, sir, I did. Yeah, may I ask why? Yeah, well, because he stole John Wick's car, sir, and uh, killed his dog. Oh. All right, so... Number one question, we got to get the elephant out of the room. Is this the end of John Wick? So, of course, after fighting his way through Paris, and by the way, that last hour is incredible. Yes. Incredible. Incredible pacing, incredible variety, the music, the, 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 the drops, like it's just everything about it. He eventually, in the duel with Kane, he wins because, again, I actually thought this was a very satisfying conclusion to the Mar- uh, the Marquise Vincent de Gramont uh, character. He gets arrogant and says, I've got to be the one to pull the trigger on killing John Wick. Uh, and then John Wick, of course, outguns him. Also, little high five for Winston there, <laughs> distracting him in the second. Because yeah. the second time I was paying attention, I was like, no, if he would like shot him like straight up, he would have been OK. But it's because Winston's like, you idiot, mm-hmm. and distract him. And John Wick pulls the trigger on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it appears, though, that John Wick, despite defeating his foe, is bleeding out. And we see him pass out on the steps only for them to cut to his a tombstone. So two questions. Do you think he's actually dead? And if so, is this sort of a satisfying uh, end to the character? LeRon? I think it works either way you, you interpret it. Um, it could be um, he is alive somewhere, but the character no longer will be in, in play, you know, like basically like kind of like the end of um, uh, uh, the, Nolan Batman trilogy where oh, yeah. Batman's dead, but he's not really dead, you know, like, so, um, so you're saying that Keanu Reeves is off at some French restaurant sipping and he runs into Michael Caine. He's okay. somewhere, mm. he's somewhere living his life, but the, to the world he's dead, you know, but he's out living his life somewhere. Or you could have it as a definitive close where yes, he, he is deceased. He's no longer with us. And he's done, he fought the battle of all battles and, you know, and, and it, 
it could end in a poignant way there, you know. So I'm actually, I'm I'm believing more that he's not here unless the box office receipts re- require him to come back. Well, I, and, you know, I so. know the Lionsgate CEO said, "I don't think we're done yet." Did you see that? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. So, so, and I, Keanu Reeves has been politely respectful, mm-hmm. but he definitely said at the end of three on the press tour, he's like, I think I've got one more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen him do a couple interviews where he's like, well, I have my opinion about how this ends, but then does not say what it is. I think Keanu is from, we like, I think I'm done guys. Like, yeah, really. But yeah. I mean, yeah, Lionsgate's got a lot of money. So. Yeah, yeah. Anything can happen. <laughs> what do you think, Alex? Uh, was this a satisfying wrap up? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I love the duel. That was, that was where I really got that emotional resonance uh, from the church sequence, you know, and then Donnie and helping him get to the duel. That was um, amazing. I, yeah. I, I was moved in that moment. I was very moved by all of that. That's where I'm like, okay, here he is. Here he is. We got those chops uh, coming out. But um, I think the, I, if he does not stay like character dead in the sense that he is shucking this persona and having a new life that we do not follow or like literally in the ground, I will be so mad like that will, I I think it will just totally like jerk the knee out from any kind of like real, like the heart of this movie. The heart of this movie is the fact that this man has broken his back like 15 times throughout this film, like from falling on various, so many uh, windows he's fallen out of large windows, he's been hit by cars, (laughs) uh, pieces of rebar, like the, you know, iron I beams and all kinds of stuff. Like he's been, the man should be dead. It would be like a betrayal of the audience's already pretty suspended, suspended, suspension of disbelief if he was not like dead in some way shape or form i would be really mad actually <laughs> it's like oh thanks for taking the the heart out of that that sequence that was just, just a dick move yeah so yeah so, so i have an opinion on and it just came to me i'm not even joking the, okay. as you were describing it so uh long time listeners and i think you two both know this i have a huge pet peeve in storytelling one of which is where you, you like air quotes kill your main character so you get the emotional, oh, they're gone, they died, they they did the thing they set out to do. Halloween H2O. Yeah, yeah. that's one. You, Halloween H2O. This is very prevalent in video games. Halo 3. Um, the one I'm going to mention, though, God of War, oh, which actually yeah. is another revenge story that was very similar like, God of War 3 was hit the peak. You're like, he literally killed all the gods in God of War 3, like all the Greek yeah. gods. What they did with God of War, though, they firstly, they put the whole thing on hiatus for like 10 years. Like there wasn't a God of War for a long time. And then they brought it back and you're playing as Kratos, who is now haunted by the sins of his, like the, the murders he committed. And he's trying to figure out how to raise a son to be a better man. And that's kind of the thrust of the game. I don't know if I want that for John Wick, but that would, in my mind, be the only way they could make this satisfying. Like, okay, say he survived. He's out in the woods in a cabin somewhere and he has a kid or something. But even that's going to feel a little bit like... Isn't that the ending of Dexter? Like... That's another show that made... Oh, De- well, but I angry. will say... I may be angry. I will say they did do Dexter Cold Blood and it wasn't flawless, but it was definitely a way better conclusion than the original show. Yeah, yeah. Fair. yeah. And they actually killed... Uh, spoilers for Dexter and Cold Blood. They, Dexter is... Capital D dead. Yay. Uh, yeah. I don't even care, but I'm glad. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know everyone was just waiting to hear about that. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think that's the only way because this arc, you know, it's so funny. I didn't even 
even though God of War is actually pretty similar story. He gets wronged by this organization. His wife died. Yeah. They have taken the revenge narrative as it exists as far as it can go. There's nowhere else for him to go. And for them to bring him back, I feel like would be a little bit of a betrayal of the audience trust. If they insisted on doing it though, the way that they, I would, the only way it works is if it's, him sort of trying to repent for his sins yeah, and via, and the only reason he's acting out in violence is to protect something, to make a better life for something else. Like, yeah. cause he, and I mean, I guess they do kind of set it up with that, that relationship with Kane where that's exactly what Kane's doing. He says, we're damned. Yeah. We're screwed. My daughter's not though. Yeah. So if I have to pick between you and her, I'm picking, if I have to pick between which one of you dies, I'm picking you. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think we've hit the the end though. I, I don't. Yeah. There's no. This whole high table arc has to be done. It, yeah. It, there's, it, they really. They've dragged. They've taken it out as far as it can go with it having real meaning. I would yeah. say. I think the only way to kind of emotionally res Wick now is if he were if he were incorporated in flashbacks where. You know, I'm just like trying to think. I'm like, okay, how could they? Well, he's gonna appear. How could they? He's budget? gonna. My understanding is uh, uh, Keanu Reeves will appear in the ballerina spell. Oh, okay, so that tracks. Starring so, uh, Anna Darmus, by the way, which is oh, exciting. that's gonna be great. But that's the only way I think they'll be really be able to pull it off with any any kind of integrity. And that's the thing about these movies is they've gotten bigger and bigger, both the production, but the, these, this is the, the fourth one's the top grossing one, uh, by a considerable amount. Yeah. Um, so I think they need to go a Logan approach here with kind of a scaled back. Yep. More mm. ba- back to the original tonality, you know, uh, yeah, for, that's true. for the ending and make it a more, they can't, somber. well, there's no way they can top this. That's the yeah. thing. And I'm not trying to say, I'm not, that's not a challenge. I'm just saying, guys, I am so impressed that you were able to top the other films in this movie. Yeah. It would it would need to be aesthetically and tonally different. different from the other ones and give it again a very nuanced approach and make it a somber ending to the lad to the chapter instead of trying to increase or top what happened before. I think that would kill everything, all the momentum that that this series went out on such a high note with. You know, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I think that was such a great comparison, Laurent. I think that I would feel not as betrayed if they were like, okay, we're gonna reset this to a John Wick one, and then yeah. now we kind of do do some big emotion work. I'd be like, okay, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm saying. I think yeah. Logan on the film side, I think Logan's a really good example. And I think the God of war video games, like those are the only, like that's the only way I think you can kind of find a new area is yeah. like, say you thought you, you thought you had no hope of happiness, but then you discovered that there was a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what would that look like? But yeah. it would basically, his motivation would no longer have to be vengeance. No, exactly. Like he'd have to change entirely. It, it, it would have to be, like you said, repentance or atonement or, or, uh, accountability, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, like it, that would make for a more interesting character dive than what came before, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yep, for sure. Well, I mean, again, that kind of brings me to the thought of like, where is the vengeance going to end, which is sort of the second idea I want to hit on. And cause I, I really think at the core of all these movies is vengeance. There's not a lot. It's a vengeance story. Several characters in the movie are asking us that same question. Like, where does it end? When is this over? This has got to be the last movie in the franchise, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, like, do you guys? What do you guys think? Is this film really saying anything new or interesting about the the kind of the theme of vengeance, or are we just kind of uh, doing a greatest hits sort of story here? I mean, I feel like what I take away from it, of course, is that that violence only begets more violence, and so it's it's an insatiable appetite that can never be you know satisfied. Um, and so, as we've noticed with each 
each entry, you know, it's just, it, he's exhausted, he's tired, it's going nowhere. And it's because he's still fueled by something that will never be satisfied. And so I think that I, that's my takeaway from it, whether or not it's, you know, it actually, you know, achieves what it's trying to say about vengeance. Um, I, I, I look at that as the outcome of what, of what this series has, has shown us, you know, with how, where he's wound up at the end of this story, you know, as a result of where we started. So, mm-hmm. mm. you know, uh, the one moment I, I hinted at in uh, the spoiler free section that actually really got me, I mean, some of the Kane stuff I thought I was actually really touching, but um, in terms of just the John pure John Wick moment was the, uh, when they're on the boat and they're talking about what Sharon had on his gravestone, it was friend. Cause above all, that's what he was. And then, you know, it's just so funny how this movie after the, in between these crazy elaborate, like action set pieces it's it's really quiet for just a couple minutes, and then John gets out of the boat. They're like, "Good luck," all that stuff. He gets out, and as he's walking away, he says, "Loving husband." That's what I want on my tombstone. Yeah, maybe I'm a sucker, but I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." It really, like it's yeah, like there is a reason good. he's doing this, and he actually is not proud. The the vengeance is all he has, but he's yeah. not proud of it. The but it's not he, what he wants to be known for, mm-hmm, you know. Right? Even yeah. though that's what he's known for, right? He's like, "But what I want on my gravestone to kind of retcon everything I've done up to this point." Is that the, at my core? This was always who I always was. I, I wanted I wanted this to be yeah. what my life meant. Yeah, but the movie at the same time is trying to say, was there another way? And and it, and I feel like the movie is kind of pointing us through the character of uh, through Donnie Yen's Kane character and um, a really minor character, the guy who is like the referee for the duel who has the exact same finger chopped off. As Clancy John Brown. Wick. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of Clancy Brown connections, uh, we've talked to yeah. uh, Dexter Newblood. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, he, I think it's kind of interesting. It kind of says, okay, let's like John Wick is tired, but then there's almost this sub, line of there's no other way because here are two men that have given it all for the table and it's never been enough like they they are consistently being asked to like sacrifice um parts of themselves like literal body parts of themselves including mr nobody who does that is that that hand maneuver that was an intense scene (sighs) yeah Yeah, so uh there's a there's a lot there and i don't know violence does beget violence but there is this kind of almost idea at play that it's like for these people there's no other way the cause is all they have yeah, yeah. the clancy brown character I, that was a nice touch um that was such a nice he was touch. the i think he was the was it the harbinger was his name i think but i love that hey i just love clancy brown i know mr everyone knows him as mr Krabs, but he's also the voice <laughs> of lex luther and he's another one of those again john wick franchise using really prolific character actors another one of those character actors who's been doing the work for decades and so good and he's got that big deep voice but he was able to kind of sniff out bill skarsgård's real motivations he's like this isn't about john wick this is about you proving that you're you can't be stopped and he calls the bloodshed unnecessary kind of like that those little layers you know yeah before we wrap up, I, I do want to talk through just we can take a second to gush on the action set set, uh, set pieces from this movie, but also want to get your take. What is your favorite John Wick action set piece of all time? And there's so many to choose from. Let's start with just the fourth one. There's so many to choose from just in the fourth movie. Yeah. Any action movie would be happy to have one of these in them. And this sure. movie has like 12. Yeah. Lauren Chapman. Man, my favorite up to this point was the was in Parabellum where with the 
the dog sequence with the with Halle Berry. I can't remember. They're in the there's like the, yeah. The that market. was just incredible yeah. to me. The, the dog, which also that, I, I love the that they took, I love that more they took, dog food. They took the yeah exactly they're like yeah. people like the dogs. Well, let's introduce a character with a dog. Yeah, it was. Well, and I love how there's dog food. There's there's gun food now. There's, there's horse like, food in the third <laughs> one too. <laughs> right. There's car food there's in car this food. one. It's insane. <laughs> The number of times he gets hit by a car is just Dude, absurd. Dude, the sequence, uh, gosh, see, there's so many cool stuff. The sequence when they're in France and he's in it in the car, the door breaks off and he's just driving in circles, shoot, lighting all the dudes up. Oh mm, my gosh. Fantastic. Oh man. Um, but yeah, so I think my favorite sequence is probably in three, but, um, but four, it, that, God, that, that stare, the, the two part stare sequence is just, is just incredible. Mm. I mean, it's just, the, I mean, the number of people he has to, Hack off a number of times. The, when he rolled down those stairs, like I felt every, <laughs> and then he every, stops for a second, and then he gets kicked down more stairs. Yikes! Yikes! And then the dude just slides down the side. It's like, oh man! <laughs> it's like so. Yeah. Um. Probably. Four, I mean, a new favorite being the stair sequence, but three that sequence in the in the. I think it's in the. Is it in the desert? Or is it? it uh, it's in the compound. That's the in compound. The yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great choice. Uh, Alex, how about, yeah, what is your favorite from this film and also your favorite overall? I think from this film, uh, I love the Arc de Triumph sequence with the roundabout with the cars. I think due to the scale and the fact of, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this ever before. Something like this, because part, I mean, I'm sure, Lauren, you'll you'll understand this too. It's like part of your like film production in your brain, you're like, oh my God, think of all the permits. Think of what they had to do yeah. to do that. Oh, God, oh yeah. yeah. Just like, and it kind of like, the I think the scale of what it took to do that and then all of the pieces that had to be just absolutely perfectly choreographed to get that, um, that really set that uh, like totally uh, apart from me. Um, and then I really liked a lot of, uh, basically anytime Kane came, Kane came on screen. I liked everything he did. The, the sequence in the kitchen in Osaka, when he puts the doorbells on the thing, I was like, Holy Genius. cow. Oh my gosh. So amazing. And then, um, so those were from, he does this weird, there's this one, I, I wish I could replicate it. I mean, he does so many cool things in the movie, but just like small detail when during that fight, he uses a sword, but at one point he does this weird wind up with his wrist and he just punched like just an upward cut. Yeah. It's like one of the coolest. I was like, how did he do that? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the. You're good. Why did I forget? What was I? What was I trying to say? Not the Um, not the roundabout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another one that really got me, of course, I mean, you can't talk about this one without saying the the overtop sequence. Uh, Just the everything again had to be so perfect to get that get that right um so that's from four and then honestly i mean from three again you can't not it's that first 30 minutes like that yeah there's so many different pieces in that first 30 minutes um but i guess if i had to pick one out of that longer piece they'll flow together though so it really does feel like one i'd say that the knife museum or chashki's shop that was probably (laughs) out of that one yeah um i I watched three pretty recently do you guys remember how the fact that he he like is reassembling this gun for like five minutes and then the guy is perfectly timed he just shoots him it's just incredible (laughs) another favorite thing that john wick does that i don't feel like i see in very many other action movies he throws the gun he like unloads it and throws it at people i'm like that's a every tool why have we never seen that yeah an action Every movie before, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, gosh, you guys have said the best ones. I do think that roundabout is pretty impressive. The stairs is, I think the stairs is going to be the one we think about down mm-hmm. there just because it's, mm-hmm. it's the perfect balance of impressive from a choreography perspective. It's comedic 
that also hurts when you see him roll down yeah. stairs. And then with Kane on the coming back to help him up. Yeah. It's also as, a great metaphor, you know, for yep. what it, he just needs to get to the top of the stairs, but he just can't, can't fucking do it. Can't do you it. know, like it this it just the look yeah. on his face when he gets almost to the top and all those dudes are there. It's like, yeah. oh no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just I think that's gonna be an all-timer. I do think the roundabout's great. At the God's Eye sequence, I think obviously in terms of the spectacle of it it's a little smaller but just in terms of innovating an action sequence yeah. um and I, I guess so um whenever they interviewed chad uh one of the interviews i read with chad stahelski about this is the reason they hadn't done that before was because they couldn't figure out how to make it visually interesting like they've had this idea of the god's eye view for a while but he's like yeah if you don't have the right gun it just looks like pop pop and dudes are falling down yeah it was whenever they figured out the the bullet what was it the the types of bullets they had um on the yeah. shotgun um totally drawing a blank on the name all the gun people out there can correct me but whatever um <laughs> but it it, it like how it lights on fire when he fires it. Yes. It made it pop visually in a way they hadn't been able to do before. So that whole time, I think in terms of innovation, that's when I'm going to, I think we're going to be referencing down. Like, I think For we'll sure. see more of these types of things in the yeah. next 10 years and it'll come back to, Oh yeah. John Wick Ford kind of set the bar for that. Yeah. Just like when you can see him walking around the rooms and you see this like d- dudes from the previous room, just crawling around trying to like yeah. not die. Uh, good stuff. Um, yeah, I think overall, though, I, I do think, yeah, I agree with Alex, that, that opening of John Wick Chapter 3. And I think it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we anticipated it. Because if you recall, the end of John Wick Chapter 2 is a cliffhanger. You just see him, like, starting to run to get out of the city. And so the whole, what was it, two or three years we were waiting on that next movie, you're like, oh, how was he going to do it? And they they delivered the goods That's mm-hmm. on, on that, you know. Um, well, uh, final question here. Should there be another John Wick? I mean, we're getting the spe- we're getting two spinoffs. One of them is the film Ballerina, st- starring Anna De Armas, and we're also getting a show on Peacock, The Continental, um, that is a prequel following the formation of okay. that organization. Um, I don't know who all is involved in the Continental. If I'm being honest, in terms of like the, I don't, I th- it's a prequel, so I don't even know if they're even going to use any of the cast here. But um, it is coming on Peacock. Um, do you guys think we should have another John Wick, or maybe should we focus on spinoffs, or maybe should we say? We're good on this whole thing. I think we're good to end it here. Um, again, if we if we decide to revisit this, I just think the approach and the objective needs to change. You know, from where where it started. Um, otherwise, I think this is a, a good semi definitive closing to this this chapter, his chapter, um, and, and and one that I'm satisfied to leave it at this at this high. You know, because it would suck for something to come back and for it just not to deliver in the way that we want it to. And then for it to undercut what was so strong about it, you know, as it what preceded it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's spot on, Alex. Yeah, I Wick Wick's story. Um, I really wouldn't even be OK with seeing like we'd have to have like a Logan tier movie like we've discussed, uh, like what Ron was bringing up before. Um, but I, I don't even know if I'd feel comfortable with watching like like a young John Wick show where he's like just being a, a assassin a man nah. that like hurts me to think of that that some executive has had that in his daydreams like, ah, yes, more money. I will make John Wick young by casting some young guy. And then, yeah, no, that makes me physically hurt um i don't want that um i the only kind of stuff i really want to see going forward really is pick somebody else in this really interesting world of heightened reality of assassins and do something interesting which it seems like they're doing i the continental stuff has always been interesting to me the world thing is fantastic in my opinion so i that would actually make me get a whatever subscription to watch that show um 
after someone else has watched it first and said, okay, it's not trash. (laughs) Well, you know, Peacock is starting to make a pretty good case for why I should get it. I just finished uh, Poker Face last week. Thanks thanks to Laurent's recommendation. And uh, great show. And and you got to have, you got to pay on Peacock. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they'd have to really, I no more, no more Mr. Wick. Please. Yeah. No more was the wick is out. Wick, wick is, is out. out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm with you. I, again, I want to, I want to be open-minded enough to say that if one day, and I'm not like, not soon, like I don't want it to be into like this character needs to take a very long break. And if they decide to bring him back, it does need to be, like you said, fundamentally different. And the only reason I would have said absolutely not, but the fact that we got Logan and, and honestly, frankly, the God of War game series, even more impressive to me, like a character that you're like, they there's this character is boring. He's flat. He's killed everything. There's no way we could get it. We don't need another game. And they show up and it's like, wow, you actually made a game vastly superior to those old games because it's a fundamentally different type of story you're telling. So I'm, I want to be open-minded. They could do that down the road, but I don't want them to like announce, Hey, we're going to make a, that, that movie that we just described, we're going to make that in two years. I'm like, no, we need to like miss this character for a while before. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like you would totally know this off the top of your head. So forgive me for putting you on the spot. The, the distance between Logan and some of those really horrible Wolverine movies. <laughs> well, it actually isn't as far as you'd think. I think the Wolverine was 2013 and Logan was 2017. So it was about oh, four years. Okay. But okay. nobody really was watching those. So I guess maybe a bit more relevant question would be from Logan to X3. That's probably a oh, lot that's a longer. Lot, that's a lot longer. Yeah. So uh, X3 was 2006, I believe. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we need to be a solid decade. <laughs> Give us a well, minimum. Well, for example, here's a better, I would say probably a more apt comparison was Days of Future Past was 2014. 14 and the previous one in that continuity would have been X-Men three in 2006. Okay. And that was the one that technically brought Wolverine back into the fold mm-hmm. first. And it, I, I just watched that rewatch it the other day. It's so good. I, <laughs> I don't know that. why I just randomly put it on. Cause it's <laughs> a great movie. Yeah. yeah that's, that's why, why. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I will go to bat for days of future past over any Avengers film, any day of the week. Try me. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. Uh, last thing I'll say here, I forgot to shout out. Uh, we got Scott Adkins in that, Club sequence. Oh, yeah. Super fun character. Choose the scenery. Um, and uh, again, yes, another club sequence, but with the waterfalls and the color. Very good. <sighs> that puts it on my, it was it was my next thing to mention if I, if, yeah. some, if everyone said the stair scene. <laughs> I would say visually removing the God's eye sequence, because that's just, I think, a huge innovation. But in terms of like a traditional action sequence yeah. and a club, visually might be one of the most impressive things in the entire yeah. series because the way they use the color and the water mm-hmm. the yeah. slow motion and i don't the way he died and the oh. expression on his face i know and, it, and that's the one time in the movie my, my first audience was super into it like we were all cheering the whole time the second audience very quiet i was very sad for the second audience because hmm. i was the one guy doing yeah and all that stuff hmm. the one moment everyone reacted in both times is when you hear him his head crack and hit the stairs everyone goes oh <laughs> I I have to say the inhaler, I thought that was a little bit of Chekhov's inhaler. I really wanted John Wick to like throw that down that man's throat. I was like, I was a little, maybe like half a tablespoon disappointed that that's not how he died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, that is all we have time for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into this week's review of John Wick chapter four. Stay tuned. I'll tell you what we're going to be reviewing in our next episode. But first, where can we keep up with our special 
co-host today, Alexandra Bohannon. Hi. So I'm a writer. I write professionally. And if you need things written for you, um, you can always hit me up. I have a new writing Instagram, so that'll be by Alex Bohannon. And then you can also find me on my Substack, just launched. Uh, you can find that at by Alex Bohannon, B-O-H-A-N-N-O-N, dot substack, dot com. All right, Laurent Chapman? I'm also a writer, but I do not have a website, Um, but I did write a a new feature screenplay that I would love for you to read (gasps) at some point. Yes, please. Um, But you can follow me on Facebook under my name, Laurent Chapman. You can follow me on my letterbox reviews for films on, with the handle black underscore cinna underscore man. Awesome. And you can find me um, on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram, all at C Masters Talk. That is Letter C Masters Talk. Instagram, more non generally non-film things. Twitter, random film, TV, video game things. And Letterboxd, of course, movie reviews. And, uh, of course, you can find all of the work we're doing here, including more episodes of this show and a lot of written essays uh, over at thecinematropolis.com. Thank you so much, for everyone, for joining us. We'll catch you again next time when we return with another double feature review it's so much fun. We have we have too many movies to talk about, so now we have to pit them against each other. And <laughs> the theme for this next one is going to be a lot more clear than Cocaine Bear versus Creed 3. <laughs> it's going to be one for the gamers, because we're going to be reviewing both Dungeons and & Dragons and the Super Mario Brothers movie. Can't wait. Can't wait.